Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. TC. Ah, ha, ha. We are live. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Blake. Half of your host. I got to be careful, TC. I, um, I'm used to being my own host, but I'm one half of your host, Blake Rafino. We got Terrence, former Saints wide receiver Terrence Copper in the building with us. TC, what's happening, brother? Man, Blake, what's going on, man? Uh, I got to say, it's been a very busy week. T City, it's been a, a you know, mm-hmm. I, I put my foot in my mouth. I, I do something typical. I, I make it. I said an absolute last week, and saying that Jarvis Landry's not coming to the Saints. I, I not legitimately like that, but not thinking the Saints would pull the trigger. And less than twelve mm-hmm. hours after I said it, actually six or eight hours, the Saints pull the trigger, and Jarvis Landry's in the building. I, I mean, it's crazy, bro. Man, that's a huge pickup. Uh, for one, it's a big pickup because he want to be here. You know, he right. want to be with, in New Orleans. You know, same thing with Matthew. That they want to be in New Orleans. You know, so when you have guys like that that want to be there and the team want you there, it's going to be a great relationship. It's going to be an amazing relationship. I'm excited to see what's going to happen. And, and TC, quite honestly, taking pay cuts to do it. Right, like so, we know the deal with mm-hmm. Jarvis only taking a one-year, three million dollar deal. T- Tyron taking a, a pay cut. I, I mean, you're right; they want to be here. So we'll get into all that in the details. What you think as a former wide receiver, what that means for the offense, Jarvis Landry's game, mm-hmm. everything. We'll we'll jump into that uh, as well. Uh, Drew Brees is in the news. Your former quarterback. Um, yeah. TC, look. Social media takes a life of its own. Why people are, are, are mad and upset at Drew, I, I don't know. Why people are calling him a fake, I don't know. I, I think it's kind of crazy to me. But um, your former quarterback under some fire after all this social media debacle, I, I, I don't know what to really make of it all. So my question is, what did he do? 
to get on this fire that everybody's calling him fake or whatever it is. What'd he do? Um, I don't so I don't remember what Drew's last contract was, but it's literally like like the twenty million dollar question. Um mm-hmm. it was more it's more of just a personal thing, I guess. You know, like personal shots at his character. And not about if he really wants to play football, which is again so wild to me. Um uh, Wow. Because Drew just, you know, I guess because he's not like me, he's not loud and and quote unquote entertaining, but he, you got like for you and him, you have forgotten more football than I will know, right? So I, I don't, you know, when he's calling Spider Two Wild Banana from the press box before they break the huddle, I mean, yes, he's he's doing a good job. He's telling you what's coming, TC. Yeah. That's right. I, 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 you That's know, right. I might hey, go. You know go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm gonna tell you something. I'm gonna tell you something about Drew. Drew is the ultimate leader. Uh, I've never. I don't know anybody that has ever played with Drew that wouldn't go into battle with him right now. If if Drew stayed in California, which I don't know where Drew stayed, but if he stayed in California, he called me like, "Cop, I need you to come to Cali tomorrow. I need some help with something." I'm there. I'm there. That's the type of guy Drew is. You would do anything for Drew. Drew is the ultimate leader. I don't see how anybody can can question his character at all. Like, I, I don't see how. You know, so that, that's my personal experience with him. But everybody that has played with Drew is going to tell you the exact same thing. Everybody. You know, he's not putting on a show. He's not being fake. That's Drew. Uh, TC, I forget the Ben Affleck Boston movie. Oh, The Town. When uh, Ben Affleck walks in there to Jeremy Renner and he says, um, you can't, I, we're about to go do something. You can't ask me what, you can't ask me why, you can't ask me any questions, but we're about to go hurt some people. Okay. <laughs> and Jeremy Renner goes, whose car are we going to take? That's exactly what you kind of just sounded like you said, you know, like if Drew That's says, if Drew says, Hey, I need you. His teammates are there. That So, We'll get into a lot of that. We'll get into Mm -hmm. a lot of that. Uh, Cop, I want to get to pick your brain a lot. (laughs) Excuse me. Pick your Mm -hmm. brain a lot. Rookie minicamp this week, what does it mean? What can you actually prove in rookie minicamp? Like, are we overreacting to what we saw from some of these wide receivers? You know, the receivers had a huge day. Chris Olave, Mm -hmm. DeAnderson. Um, I want your thoughts on how we are supposed to take all of that um, because you've obviously been to one. Uh, you know, obviously, teammates that have been through many small mini camps and rookie mini camps. So I want to pick your brain mm-hmm. on that. But first off, TC, we can't do this if we don't pay the bills, though. I, I mean, look, right. I, I don't know about you, but small money don't, or uh, scare money don't make no money. So we got to talk about our good friends over at Bet Online. Guys, betonline.ag, go over there today. Use the Believe promo code, B-L-E-A-V. That's B-L-E-A-V. Type in a little note that says, hey, Terrence Copper and Blake Rafino told me to go by. And then win all your bets. You know, win them all because they love it. All right, let's pay some bills. Back in 45 seconds. Stay tuned, guys. We'll be right back. Our partners over at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. 
And don't forget that the MLB is back as well. Who are you picking to win the World Series? BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's easy to get started, so head on over to their website. Use BetOnline.ag. Use that promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V. That's B-L-E-A-V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag, betonline.ag. You know, I got to be honest here, TC. Um, They love you more than they love me, and in no way is that depressing. Uh, Roderick Dugas on Facebook says, TC, what's up, big dog? So does Tony Williams. Uh, A lot of of questions coming in here. Uh, Wayne McBride says, who dat, baby? If you have your questions, go ahead and fire man, yeah. fire man hashtag ask us, and we'll uh, get to them. Uh, TC, so let's start off with the biggest news of the week. Um, last Friday, obviously, Jarvis Landry, Juice Landry from Lutcher, Louisiana. Um, obviously, we kind of know the downfall between the receivers and B- Baker Mayfield out in Cleveland. We know Jarvis Landry and his ties to New Orleans and LSU. Um, but you mentioned it earlier, so I'm going to give you the floor and take a step back here. Juice signs a three million, one-year $3 million deal, pretty much just a prove-it deal. Um, mm-hmm. The first question I would ask you, how big of, it, uh, of a deal is this for the Saints? But number two, how big of a risk is this for Jarvis Landry? Because God forbid, man, I mean, this is a big risk for him too, and I don't think people have talked about how big of a risk it is for him. Uh, but on both sides of the aisle – Talk about both, uh, it being good for the Saints and both good good or bad for Jarvis Landry. Okay, so let's talk about the Saints first. It's great for the Saints because not just about what he can do on the football field, but it's about what he's going to bring to that locker room, to the receiving core, because you got somewhat of a, a younger receiver core in there, uh, especially with the rookie coming in. He can put him under his wing. He can teach him how to be a pro because when you come in as a rookie – You don't really know how to be a pro. It's certain things that you just don't know. And you need that help from your veteran leadership. So when he comes in, that's going to be huge for him. That's going to be huge for the team, just the locker room presence. And then being able to take these young guys under his wings and teach them the ropes, teach them how to be pros, teach them as long as you have. Uh, Just really mentoring those guys. And for him, I don't think it's a risk. It's not a risk at all. Think about it. So. Do you call something a risk when you want to be somewhere? Oh, I do not. No, I do not at all. I think it's a great point. No, I do not. Yeah, so anytime you want to be somewhere, you know, you're taking this risk if you want to call it a risk. But actually, he's probably not even calling a risk. He's talking it like, listen, I want to be here. And whatever I need to do, I'm going to take the pay cut. I'm going to be here. And if I got to prove it, guess what? He'll prove it. Because he's a baller, he's an athlete, he's been playing in the NFL. Every year's a prove-it year, honestly. Every year's a prove-it year. He has made a ton of money. Like I said, I don't count nobody's pockets, but he's made a ton of money. You know, so I don't think the money part of it is the issue at all. I think he wants to be in New Orleans. Because each year you got to prove yourself regardless, whether you got that big contract or whether you have, you know, a a year contract. You still got to prove yourself. You know, so I don't think it's a risk at all for him coming. Yeah, and let me clarify. I, I think <clears throat> a prove-it year is how I should have said it. I, I think my choice of words were poor. So I, I will I I will take the, the hit on that one. Um, 
<clears throat> I agree, TC, from the standpoint of this. And I said this when he signed the Saturday on our show on AYS. There is zero excuses for Jameis at this point. Zero. Okay, like you cannot zero. You cannot say that you don't have weapons. Again, running back could be an issue if Alvin is out for six or eight games. Fine. But buddy, you got Michael Thomas, you got Chris Olave, and you have Jarvis. God bless it. Let's knock on wood. Barring injury, you could have the best receiving core in the in, in, in the NFL. And here's why, TC. DeAndre Hopkins is going to be there with the Cardinals. I mean, receiving yeah. core, you got Adams with the Raiders. But as a collective unit, can you name three, four guys that can be as explosive as with – and look, you're a former wide receiver. I mean, TC, yeah. as we go around the league, can you name another uh, a wide receiving core that has this many weapons? No, the only one that I can name that could, I feel like that's kind of in the same ballpark is probably the Cardinals with them picking up Brown. You know, because you going to have – That's a good point. You got Brown, you got Hopkins, and you have A.J. Green <laughs> as well. So those three guys are pretty good as well. But besides them, I don't know another – I don't know another tandem that is good as this tandem we have here in New Orleans. I don't know. Well, T.C., so let me ask you this, okay? Because you have wide receivers, all three of them do the big three, Right. You have Chris Olave, the elite route runner, the guy that could take it off the top. You have Jarvis Landry, mm-hmm. the guy that go that wants to go in traffic, right? Like, you mm-hmm. know, at least when I was at Southeastern, we called him the head the headhunter. You know, like, hey, I want to run the slant. Mm-hmm. I, I, I yep. want to light. I want to light somebody up. And then you have Michael Thomas, the possession guy. Yes, he can break it up, but the big hands guy. That's the way. At least what we called it, big hands. Mm-hmm. Um. Again, if you're going based off philosophy of what you want in the offense, the big three is what you go after. Do you see them being the big three? Because they all are different, but they all complement one another. Because if you're a linebacker and Jarvis is learning a slant, and then you got a backside hitch or whatever you got on the backside, whatever's going on, you have to always be weary of the mm-hmm. other guy because he's running his best route. Um, mm-hmm. As a defense – how difficult is it to to game plan for all of that? Okay, so I'm glad you brought that up. And this is one thing that these three guys going to have to do, do well. Uh, they got to be able to block. I know they're great receivers, but they have to be able to block. Because Jameis Winston, he's great at the play action. And if you have receivers that can actually block in the run game – that's going to open up the play action game even more because those safeties going to be coming downhill when they see the receivers blocking and then you just hit them with the play action game. But on top of that, another thing that's going to happen if you can block, it's going to leave these defensive coordinators in, in kind of a situation where they don't know whether to go nickel. When I say nickel, I'm talking about taking a linebacker out of the game. When we go three wide, do they take a linebacker out of the game and put in another cover corner? in the slot or do you keep that linebacker in the game because when you got receivers that can block now they don't know what the, what we're going to do are we going to throw it or are we going to run it and if we can run the ball i mean when i was in in dallas todd haley was my receiver coach mm-hmm. he wanted to he wanted receivers on the field all the time he wanted to go four wide if he could but the only way we could do that is we got to be able to block we got to be able to run the ball out of a three wide set 
because that's going to put the defense in a compromised position. They don't know whether to go nickel or to keep that linebacker in the game because our receivers block so well. So that is the biggest thing that I see that our receivers have to do to be successful offensively, not just pass catchers. They have to be able to block, and that's going to open up so many other things if they all can block. I think that's a point that I didn't even really think about, okay, because the Pete Carmichael, Sean Payton offense is predicated off a live screen play action type of stuff. It's something that – that, you know what, TC, that's why you're here, man, because it's something that I just didn't even like. It didn't when you think of receivers, right? You don't you don't think about them doing that. What's interesting mm-hmm. though, what's interesting when you bring that up, Jarvis Landry's a headhunter. Like mm-hmm. we remember Jarvis in the in the national title run for LSU on special teams, lighting dudes up at Auburn, lighting dudes up against Alabama, like being that dude. And Michael Thomas is one of the more physical wide receivers in the league. I, I mean, I, that's a disappointment, TC, that I didn't even consider um, about that. Now, you know, you say that. So, I, I, I don't – look, in today's game, I always feel like they're going to put in the other nickel or, or the flex guy, the guy, the, the tweener, you know, like if you can. But not every team has that. Mm-hmm. Nope. Nope, they don't. And especially, I mean, they may have him, but he may not be as athletic as they want him to be right. when it comes to guarding, guarding receivers. That's what you makes C.J. So, Garner-Johnson uh, so beautiful. Have- right? Like, that's what makes C.J. so wonderful mm-hmm. because he really is a safety, yep. but he's in the slot. That's what makes mm-hmm. him elite for yep. what he does. Yep. Because mm-hmm. he can come down and stop the run and he can cover. You know, so – it, it just helps out both worlds. But like I said, all teams don't have that guy. They don't, don't have that guy. So we can really put people in a bind. But like I said, our receivers have to be able to block in order to maximize the potential of the offense. They got to be able to block. Um, we have some comments throwing in here. I like this one from Tony. Uh, Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. Uh, if Mike Thomas and Debo are wash, <laughs> yeah, I know you're talking about Ayuk. But what does Olave and, and Landry give you? You know, like, there's <clears throat> it, there's different levels to this. You know, and, and quite mm-hmm. honestly, what does Marquez Callaway give you? I, I mean, another guy that you have to att- mm-hmm. you have to account for. And so, for that reason alone, mm-hmm. look, he's a big body wide receiver, T. I mean, you, there's, again, and, and be good. <laughs> Our good friend be good says, Blake, you're hard on Jameis. No, I had a viral video <laughs> defending Jameis Winston that I got a lot of flack for. But there isn't an excuse, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, they're just – because, look, you go and give him a left tackle. You go and give him you, – you make all these moves, right? Like, you make all these moves to go get the left tackle, get Olave. You go and get Jarvis. I, I mean, you mm-hmm. just can't – you, you can't say that it's not. Now, TC, let me ask you this from a player's aspect. And and – only really you can give this answer. When you see an organization, even if you're on the team or you're not on the team, maybe you're on, on another team's or another organization's team, when you see a mm-hmm. team like a Saints making these kind of moves, what does it say to the rest of the league or the team? Man, it's, it's telling us that we better be ready to play. <laughs> That's what it's telling you. We better be ready to play. And – and everybody, because everybody see these moves and everybody going to feel like, you know, the Saints have loaded. And trust me, they are loaded. I feel like they're loaded. We are in a position to, if we 
if we continue to trust the process and go through the process, you know, and not cut corners in which I don't think they will, we have a chance to really, we talked about on the last show of really being there at the end when everything's all said and done. Mm -hmm. So that's what teams are thinking. Like we just got to be ready to play. We got to be ready to play. That's all it is. Ant Marshall fires in a question. He says, hashtag ask, excuse me, guys, I'm getting, I'm still getting over the sinus infection, but uh, no more fever though, TC. That's, that's the plus sign. That's the plus sign. Uh, But hashtag ask TC, is there a need? Is there a need for OBJ at this point? Should they sign him? Now, now look, there was a big thing this week, obviously. Uh, Jarvis Landry and OBJ are best friends. They want to be with one another. Mm-hmm. They always have been. They always will be. I mean, that literally, they face each other, I think they said, like at least an hour each other a day. Um, mm-hmm. I, 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 no, I don't think that there's a spot for OBJ. But, I, but again, do you tell OBJ no? Like, if he wants a one-year, $3 million deal, TC, do you tell him no? So the first thing I have to see is how is his injury, his knee injury? Right. Uh, is that how is that shaping up? Because at the end of the day, you three million dollars still a lot of money. It's still a lot of money to throw to somebody that you don't know if he's healthy or not. You know, you just don't know. You don't know how he's going to come back. So I would say I would have to see him. I would just flat out and say no, I wouldn't have him. But I would have to see him. But on top of that, when you when you sign these receivers. You gotta have at least one of those receivers that can play special teams. You know, you can't just take all the receivers to the game and none of them playing special teams because you only can dress out forty-five guys. You know, so each receiver. And if you're not a starter playing receiver, if you're not a starter, you gotta play special teams. Mm-hmm. You know, and the big three is not gonna play special teams. Tom is not gonna play. Olave not gonna play. Uh, Landry not gonna play special teams. So that fourth receiver that you have on that roster has to be able to play special teams. You know, so that's going to take into account as well. So I don't know. I mean, you can never have too many good receivers on one team, but some of those receivers got to make sacrifices, whether they're not going to be dressed out because they don't play special teams and we need an extra DB because he does play special teams. You know, so it all depends. But you can never have enough receivers, but one of them is not going to be happy if he's not dressed out or if he got to play special teams, but somebody got to play it. Uh, what's the old look, let me say this because the LSU podcast that we do every week, every day, if they hear me saying this, they'll rip me a new one and they'll cancel me. Um, I love Jarvis. I love Odell Beckham. Okay. However, mm-hmm. as the old saying goes, two's a company, three's a crowd, four is just too many damn people. Um, when you do, ha- when you do have that many f- mouths, you have to feed, it does start to become a problem. Mm-hmm. Tampa Bay last season is a key component in that. Okay. Because I get mm-hmm. Antonio Brown, God bless him, may have some things going on, mm-hmm. but we also, we also saw some of the receivers chirping at Tom during the playoff game. We haven't seen that a lot. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I, I think yeah. you're good. Now, I, again, maybe I'm wrong with that, TC, but again, I, fours, three's a company, four's just too many damn people. 
of that cal of, of maybe of that I caliber, I should it say. It all depends on if the receivers and Yep, go ahead, go ahead. My bad. I think as long as it's not an issue, it's not an issue if the receivers know their their role. They're number one, then and you got four headed guys that's all Uh oh. Think they're number one, then that might be an issue. Understand their role, then that's a great problem to have. Mm -hmm. You know, so it all depends on the mindset of the receivers that you're bringing in, because that's going to be the ones that can determine determine if it's a good move or not when it comes to mentality, when it comes to uh, them wanting the ball more, throw me the ball, like oh Keyshawn, throw me the damn ball. You know, if they come in with that mentality, then it could be tough. But if they come into a mentality that we just want to win by any means necessary, we're trying to win a Super Bowl, bring a Super Bowl back to New Orleans, then it worked because everybody's there for the same cause. Nobody's there trying to, you know, oh, I need the ball more and things like that. So I think it all depends on the mindset of the receivers you bring it in. Right. Um, I agree. Oh, last thing on this, and then we can we can move to the next uh move to the next topic. Um I know this is going to be a corny question, but I think it's a very strong, realistic question. Um, how much do these weapons – I don't know how to ask this other than just coming out and asking it. Do you think that they're doing that? Because, look, under Sean Payton, we didn't make this many free agency moves. I'm not getting into the LSU debate. Did Sean dislike or like LSU guys? I, at this point, I just think it's frivolous because he's not here anymore. But, T.C., the one thing that I can't get out of my mind, though, is – and you know the, the this is episode three between us two, and I've always come with at least with one conspiracy theory. Now, you shot me down on two. I'm going to see if I can – if, I, if okay. I'm going to get it the third time. Dennis Allen still is 8-28 and 28 as a head coach. Technically 9-28 and 28 if you want to count the Tampa Bay game that when Sean was out with COVID, right? I, I feel like you got to give him that game because he was a head coach. Do you, right. do you think that the Saints are making these moves to try to help Dennis to calm himself down a little bit? You know, like, meaning like, hey, man, I, I got Tyron Matthew on the back end that can help me defensively. I got Jarvis Landry and Mike Thomas that can help me with Chris Olave and Jameis. Do you think that they're doing this too a little bit? I, I know you want to win a Super Bowl. I, I'm not meaning it like that. But you got to help your head coach that's struggled before in this position do you think that there's any correlation that you make these moves to try to help out a young staff? Because, look, other than Chris Rouchard and Dennis Allen, you don't really have a lot of coordinator experience. Now, I know Pete Carmichael's been there a long time, but he hasn't called plays as long as some guys in the league. Like, mm -hmm. for an example, Eric Bieniemy's called more plays in two, uh, two playoff series than Pete Carmichael's called in a season. So, for that reason alone, do you mm -hmm. think you have it in the back of your mind to go get as much talent as you can to help your young coaching staff and your young head coach? Yes. Yes. That's not a conspiracy. Okay, that's, uh, that's uh, uh, okay. so look, I, I didn't strike <laughs> out. <laughs> I finally didn't strike out. Yeah, that is, that is the truth. Uh, if, you look at, if you look at leadership, you know, if you look at leadership, look at the head coaches – you know, coach's job is to put their players in the best position to succeed. You know, so when it comes to management and ownership, you know, their job is to put their coach in the best position to succeed. Mm -hmm. And it's not just with New Orleans. It's any coach. 
management front office, they're going to try to bring the best players in for their coaches to succeed. And definitely with uh, with Coach Pete, they're putting weapons around him. This is his first year being a, head, being a play caller. I mean, doing the play calling by himself. So they're going to try to give him weapons to help him out as much as possible. If if the organization wasn't doing that for their coaches, then I would say something might be wrong. So I think what the Saints are doing is the same thing any great organization is going to do, put the best players around their coaches and their offensive coordinators to make them or give them the best possible chance to succeed when it comes to players. And then the head coaches and the coaches do the exact same thing for the players. They're going to put you in a position to succeed. That is their job. So I don't think there's anything bad behind it. I think it's just what they're supposed to do. I agree. You know, the biggest, the, the, the stupidest thing for me in all of the NFL is let me, I'll use Joe Burrow as an example. Cause we got a huge Louisiana fan base mm-hmm. was when Joe was coming out in the draft and why he shouldn't like people were saying why he shouldn't go number one overall is because he had Jarvis Landry. I mean, Jarvis Landry because he had Jamar chase, Justin Jefferson, um, Terrace Marshall, Clyde Edwards, Alaire, all guys that went pretty much went in the first and second round. One only one mm-hmm. guy went in the second round. But then when it gets in the NFL, it's how do we get Joe Burrow help around him? Where's this offensive line? Where's his core receiver? And I'm thinking to myself, like, mm-hmm. wait a minute. So you ding a guy in college because he plays with good good athletes and good teammates. But yet when he gets to the NFL, you want him to get better guys around him. TC, it's never made sense to me, right? Like it's never. I love Stephen A. Smith to death, but, oh, he played with, with Jamar Jason, Justin Jefferson. So what? But now you want people to, to – the organization to get guys and pieces around him. It's never made sense to me, ever. You know what? I, I kind of see it on both ends because when you're in college, you come out of college and you're thinking about spending a lot of money, investing a lot of money in the traffic. You want to really make sure you cover all bases. Okay, why is he this good? Is he this good because he's got so much talent around him? Because it's a big decision to draft somebody in the first round, especially the quarterback position, because if you if you draft wrong, it can set your program back some years. If you draft wrong, if you bust on a first-round draft pick, especially at the quarterback position, it could really hurt your organization for years to come. So you got to really weigh all your options when it comes to drafting anybody in the first round. You got to really weigh out everything. So once you did, once you do draft a guy like Joe Burrow, now you got to put talent around him. You have to. So I get why they was questioning it before. Okay, why is he good? Because he had these guys around him. I get that because they got to make a decision on if they're going to draft him or not. So they got to be, they got to play those advocates sometimes. Uh, once he gets the team, yep, go ahead. Go now on, you got the weapons around. Uh, we had a text into the show, me and my other show, uh, but they still texted in. They sent me the stats of Jarvis Landry. Um, so shout out to our good friend Al. Um, yes, Jarvis Landry stats did go down from nineteen to twenty to twenty one. 83 catches, 72 to 52. He was a little injured in that. I, I'm not so to Al, who's out there listening to us. No, I, I don't. TC, at least for me, I, it doesn't bother me at all. I think Baker Mayfield got worse too. Uh, um, so it doesn't bother me at all. Yeah, it doesn't bother me at all either. Prime example, look at Odell Beckham. Once he left Baker Mayfield and went to the Rams, he was killing it before he got injured. 
You know, he, he was doing a great job. TC, the uh, the first six passing attempts, four were to Odell. One See? for a touchdown. Okay, and, and Sean McVay, for an example, when the Saints rumors started piling on, he came out today and says, I want Odell. We Like, basically, in not so many words, he goes, I'm finding who I have to cut. It's exactly what he's saying. <laughs> you know, like, that's it. Hey, man. <laughs> he's putting everybody on the chopping block. I mean, an offensive guy wants somebody on the chopping block who just won a Super Bowl. He's going to get it. Uh, TC, let's let's move forward here because we're about halfway through the show, and I, I, you know Drew Brees more than anybody, okay? Mm-hmm. And Drew came under some scrutiny this week for whatever reason because of his NBC deal, and then he came out on Twitter and said, I might come back and play. I might do my business. I might play pickleball. I might coach my sons in football. I I, I have so many options. I, I don't know what I'm doing yet. Um, but there was this narrative that Drew Brees is a fake guy, and he was he's faking it in the booth. Um, I don't know Drew, so I'm going to digress. I'm going to give it to you, a guy that does know him. Um, you mentioned this earlier in the show. Why is Drew taking criticism for wanting to do what's best for him? Like, I, 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 and and two to add to this question, who is Drew Brees? Like, we know Drew Brees, the the buttoned up CEO, crew cut, you know, all American boy, whatever you, people call him these days, whatever. Who really is Drew Brees, though? You know, Drew Brees is a guy that. If you didn't know he was Drew Brees, you wouldn't know he's Drew Brees. You know, <laughs> he's that guy. You know, you got to know that he's Drew Brees to know it because he don't wear it on his sleeve. He'll come into a, a conversation, have a regular conversation with you like he's been knowing you forever. You know, so it's not he's, – he's really that guy that he's made out to be. He's humble. Uh, he's the ultimate leader. Uh, he leads by example. You know, he's just one of those guys that you're always going to have his back. You're always going to go to battle for him. Like I mentioned earlier, if he lived in Calix, I don't know where you live at, but if he lived out in California and he called, I can and I can put this on any of his teammates. If he called any of us and said, listen, cop, I need you to fly out California tomorrow or in a couple of days, I need some help with something. I'm coming, but it's not just me. I can promise you any of his uh, teammates that he had, former teammates, would say the exact same thing about Drew Brees. That's why I don't know how anybody can say anything negative about him. I just don't know how. I, I don't know either, and it was kind of more of the entertainment side, like he's too buttoned up, he's too this, he's too that. So what? That's not so what? TC, he's, that's mm-hmm. not what he's there for. You know, like as someone in your position, right, as a former NFL player, okay, mm-hmm. You are the you are the star of the show. Okay, there, there's mm-hmm. no debating that. Like, let there it just it it is what it is. Again, it's my job as the color and or, or the analyst to pull your knowledge out of you to get mm-hmm. Drew to that point. That's what makes Tony Romo Tony Romo. Okay, like mm-hmm. when Jim Nance is asking him, Tony, why are they in, why are they in twelve personnel here? Tony, why are they in 11 personnel? And then Tony spits off why, and he says they're about to run a 34 dive, and then they're going to come right behind it and do a play action, uh, um, quick, whatever he says, okay? Mm -hmm. 
that's because Nance is pulling it out of him. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, there's nobody better than that than Drew. Yeah, literally nobody. Um, yeah. So I don't understand this. I don't understand the narrative behind this. Um, look, if Drew wants to play pickleball for the, I, 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 TC, I don't know what pickleball is. I, like, I, I, I really, I, I mean, I do, but I don't. If he wants to do yeah. it, and, and see, here's where I stand. Okay, you just told me something, and I'm coming at it from a fan perspective, and I get it. If mm-hmm. the man wants to entertain coming back, though. There's nothing that he there's nothing that you don't open that door open for him. Okay, now I know right. I'm going long-winded. But when Jerry West was the head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers, he took a step back mm-hmm. when they got Magic. Okay. But Jerry West was always there. The logo was always there. If Drew mm-hmm. Brees wants to be in front of the, a part of the front office, how much do you want, Drew? You signed the check. Yep. Because he changed yep. your franchise forever. I, I mean, there's yep. nothing. I, I get the playing part, right? Like, I get it. Drew, look, I, I, you know, there at the end, you, you admitted. you. TC, let's call it what it is. He admitted he couldn't throw the ball past 15 yards. I, that's on his own admission. Mm-hmm. Okay, so mm-hmm. f- for whatever it's worth, okay. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. If he wants the conversation, you give it to him. Right. Right. So I agree with it. You I, know, I, I, I'm sorry I went Southern Baptist pastor on you there, but I just can't help it, man. <laughs> I, 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 I can't help it. I mean, I, I went, my, I got my producer. We got our producer back here, Pooh Bear, saying testify. <laughs> I mean, he's in the comments saying testify, preach. You know, I, I and then he sends Blake. We got to go to supper. You got to wrap this up. Like we we are in the congregation. I, I mean, you know, but 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 seriously though, I I can't take it. I, TC, I can't take it. If the man yeah. wants to be a part of whatever he wants to be a part of, with I don't have a Saints logo on, but with a Saints mm-hmm. logo, you do it right. Like you you he he's yeah. oh, he's owed that. Yep, yep. I agree with you. Okay, sorry. I don't know how to transition from that. <laughs> so I'm not a good analyst on that. Quarterback coach. I would love to see that. Uh, uh, you, TC, you're kind of lag, lagging a little bit. What was that? I'm sorry. I said I, would, I said I would love to see Drew Brees as the quarterback coach as well. TC, if he wants to do it, give him the yep. opportunity. You don't mm-hmm. have a limit in staff. Hey, TC, let me ask you this question. If if I was your wide receivers coach Mm -hmm. and Jerry Rice walked through the door and Jerry Rice told you to run a slant route this way and I told you to run it another way, which way are you running it? Man. You better say say Jerry Rice because I don't know how to run a quick slant. (laughs) (laughs) I mean – that's the, you know it, it would be crazy to say that. I guess I'm getting too technical with it, but yeah, I guess you're right, Jerry Rice. <laughs> I, I look, you could respect your coach. Look, this is how I always took it. Okay, you can respect your coach. You do what your coach tells you to do, but when it comes game time, mm-hmm. if Jerry Rice tells me to stutter, stutter, then go, then my break, 
because this guy's opening his hips this way. Get, TC, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. I'm going to do it. At least I'm going to try it. You, the crazy thing about it is you're hitting it right on the head because when I was in New Orleans, a uh, receiver coach, uh, we call him Tiger CJ, which I'm – CJ was probably one of the best receiver coaches in the NFL. Still is. Uh-huh. But he said the exact same thing. He's like, listen, cop. Fellas, we know what we're telling you to do, but when the game come on, when we start playing and Drew tell you to run it this way, run it that way, do what Drew tell you to do. So you hit it right on the head with that. You hit it right on the head. Yep. I, so, and let's talk on this because this is where Jameis has to lead this team to. Again, Jameis has to bark out to Michael Thomas to run a quick slant if he wants him to run it. And nobody mm-hmm. batted an eye on Drew. Now, mm-hmm. you know, I I don't think – you know, I do think that there can be some things that can hurt you if Drew returns. Like, hey, am I going to listen to Drew or Jameis? And I understand that. You know, like it's a locker room mm-hmm. a locker room divided. You know, are you on this guy's side or this guy's side? But, again, you he he's owed. Drew is owed his due um, no matter what. Now, let me ask you this, too, and we'll, we'll end this thing on Drew and talk about minicamp because, you know, we're, we're kind of wrapping up here and I want to get to minicamp. Um, mm-hmm. God. I, I need to ask it. I should ask it, but I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to like the last one. If Dennis Allen was asked about this Drew Brees situation and he basically shrugged it off and kind of got the thing like hey man no this is my this is my time i mean i i get it but do you think dennis is kind of putting his foot down too when he says like hey man no this is our time you know like this is my show do you think that that's right for of him to do though i think it's right for him to do that to shrug it off because there's no validation to it you know right validation to that drew is coming back so why waste your time he got a lot of other things he needs to be worried about than worrying about rumors that Drew is coming back and there's no accuracy to it. You know, so, yeah, I'm fine with him shrugging it off. Brittany Breeze wouldn't let that happen. Them kids wouldn't let that happen. Let's just be honest. I, I mean, <laughs> Daddy, you ain't going nowhere. Like, we'll, we'll lock you up in this house. I, I mean, you ain't going nowhere. <laughs> you used to be fast. Now you're slow. Now we can catch you. Um, no. TC, I, I, I want to get to this because I think it's interesting. Um, and then we can – Wrap it up. Um, right. Saints mini camp, Saints rookie mini camp. See, uh, uh, Chris Olave balled out, but former LSU wide receiver and um, others kind of had a really good year. Now, D. Anderson's had some issues off the field that we're not going to really mention because that's a different topic for a different day. Um, mm-hmm. When you see a young cat, you know I forget that I, I think it was. Um, Hard knocks in Miami when Danny, Danny Amendola balled out and they started calling him Seven Eleven. You sometimes you always find these little these smaller guys that come out of nowhere and start taking mini camps over and camps over. Uh, how big is it for rookies this week? Uh, this past week, like, do you can you make a stamp on who you are this early in a rookie mini camp? Yes, I mean because it's your first impression. You right, know, you only get one chance to make a first impression. That's it. So. And even though, yeah, you got drafted by by New Orleans or New Orleans brought you in for, for training camp, whatever it is, this is their first time seeing you in action, in person, in a practice setting. So you always want to put your, your best foot forward. 
because you only get one shot at a, at a first time impression. So yeah, yeah you got to go out there and play your butt off. Uh, and everybody know the NFL stands for not for long. So if you go out there, if you want to bull jiving around, you might not be back for veterans camp, especially if you're not a, a early draft pick. So you don't know. So you got to go out there and play hard every single day and you got to treat practice just as much. You got to, you got to treat practice just as important as games mm-hmm. because that's where you get better at in practice. Games just give you that experience, but you get better in practice. And that's how in practice is going to be harder than the games. It's supposed to be harder than the games. It's so interesting. You say that, um, <clears throat> Guys at LSU and Bama always used to talk about practice was harder than the game, like the game was a relief. It, it's so mm-hmm. wild. It, it, it's so wild because, look, I didn't come from a – like I didn't play in the NFL, but I didn't play in a big college. Like practice was not harder to me than facing Fletcher Cox, a future first ballot Hall of Famer. Okay, like it's it was never harder than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you're right. You know, when you have a D. Anderson who struggled off the field, okay – but he comes in and, and, and TC he balls out. He's beating every DB that you have. He's beating some other rookie guys and and saw one veteran guy that's kind of showing up there just to get some quick reps. And you're beating them one on one. I think that that does show the organization that not only are can you play, but TC it kind of shows me you're serious about it too, right? Like mm-hmm. you're you're taking this serious. This isn't a game to you, and, and you're ready to go. Uh, Chris Olave though he balled out. Um, when you hear stories about that, you know, what's funny is that we a season ago, like Jamar Chase, he can't catch the football. Chris Olave, you know, was reported, oh, we had three drops. Please, as a receiver, tell me, like, it's okay to drop a pass in practice, right? Like, you can actually drop a pass in practice and be a good damn good damn wide receiver, right? I'm not, I'm not crazy on this one. So, you can drop balls in practice and be a great receiver, but it's not okay to drop balls in practice. So I, I get okay. that part, but that's but you can't drop a lot of them, you know. But you can still drop balls and still be a great receiver. It's not like okay, I, I drop one ball. I mean, or one or two balls. Now I'm terrible. It's not like that, but it's still not okay to be dropping balls. But we understand it's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. But in the NFL, you don't want to drop a lot of balls. But we do understand that's gonna happen. That's not gonna determine. If you're a great receiver or not, especially at rookie mini camp, it's still a rookie mini camp. You got to keep it in perspective. You know, it's not week one. You know, it's not training camp. You know, these things gonna happen anyway. But it's just rookie camp. I just imagine a division six quarterback throwing you the football that they just signed. You know, like the Saints always find like a, um, you know, a guy that played like at William and Mary College A and M, like William and Mary A and M, and all of a sudden he throws the ball seventy two yards. You know, like Jesus that that's always been the crazy thing for me. And I agree with you, you know, like if it's a couple days of rookie minicamp, sure. But if it continues to happen, it can't, I agree. It can't, it can't be a big deal. Um, TC, what else? I mean, we've talked a lot. There's been a lot in the news. Do you think there's anything that we need to talk about that we missed from tonight's show? I think we hit on everything that's, that's relevant right now. I think we hit on everything. Okay, you let's know, get to a couple of these comments then. Uh, the Golden Boot Pod says, hashtag AskTC. Is the biggest mm-hmm. hurdle in learning NFL offense is the terminology or the actual scheme? I think that's a good. I think that's a great question. So it all depends on what college you came from. Because for me, 
when I came out of East Carolina, and yeah, we we may not be at, we might not be at Alabama or LSU, but we ran a pro style offense under Steve Logan when I was in at East Carolina. So when I got to when I got to Dallas, when I got to the NFL, the schemes was actually kind of the same, but the verbiage was different. Uh huh. So what right. we so what we may called oranges at ECU when I got to the NFL, they called it apples. But you understood the scheme of it mm-hmm. because we, that's that's the reason why we that's the that's the basically that's the good part about running a pro style offense coming out of college. It helps you adjust quicker when you get to the league. Now you still got to learn that playbook. You still got some stuff, some learning curves, but your adjustment when it comes to play calling and understanding the scheme of the play. If you come from an offense in college that's already running a pro style offense. It just helps you catch up quicker. Um, with teams going to the spread, you know, I know the ECU ran an air raid. You know, Lincoln Riley was there for a while. I mean, the teams have done this RPO game. There's really not a lot of verbiage you can get in the RPO game. Um, like, really, like fake 23 bl- – you know, I feel like I'm Coach Herman Boone from the Remember the Titans. Fake 23 blast with a backside Georgia reverse. I mean, you can't really do anything else than that, right? Um do you think Perfect. with a new offense and, and and schemes like what Kansas City likes to run, and what at Cincinnati and maybe what we'll see a little bit with New Orleans, the verbiage is a little bit condensed. Do you think obviously that has to help uh, uh, players nowadays with uh, install and scheme, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I know for me when I came in, I used to love, and I, I know it's bad on the quarterbacks. Quarterbacks may not like it the long plays that they calling out. And the reason why, because when they're giving these long plays, the quarterback giving these long plays, he's really telling everybody what to do. So there's really not a lot of thinking that's going on because he's really tagging everybody. He's telling, he's giving you a play and he's really telling everybody what to do. So I like the long verbiage because it just helps me out a lot, a lot more, but of course, it can get long for quarterbacks. They may not want to give all that verbiage, but it also it helps the team out though because they're really he's really tagging everybody on what to do. So it makes it a lot easier when it is a longer play call. I, I like the longer verbiage, verbiage too as an offensive lineman. You know, especially being a center. You know, for an example, like um, from offensive line standpoint, let me give an example. If your trips right. And your X is running, your your backside X or the X is running a slant or what whatever it may be, okay. Mm-hmm. And you see a protection, like you see a outside blitzer coming. I, I'm not going to slide the line to that side of the field, right? I'm going to slide it actually to the opposite side of the field to create lanes for the quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. Like th- th- those are small things, and I agree with you there. Like the verbiage, the longer verbiage can help out players. Believe it or not, to understand more because again, if a safety is walking down, why am I gonna why am I gonna shift over a, a left tackle that or a left guard that's six five six four to a quarterback that might be six two? It it doesn't mm-hmm. make a lot of sense, and you see a lot of quarterbacks doing that. A lot of centers moving it to the opposite side to create throwing lanes that normally wouldn't be there. So I think it's an interesting point. Uh, one last question: We and Marshall always fires in these good ones. Uh, in here, but he says, hashtag STC, what makes a good guy a special teamer? Is it just hustle and high IQ from guys like Slater and Justin Hardy? 
Mm. So what makes a guy a good special teamer is for one, you gotta want to play special teams. That's the first thing. Because you have a lot of guys that's out there and me, that was I was real big on special teams. I was a special teams guy. You know? But when you gotta wanna play, is you have a lot of guys that they're playing it, but they really don't wanna play it. You know, I'm just out here because I'm not on the field at on defense all the time. So you gotta wanna play it. And you gotta have a motor that don't stop. You can't stop. Your motor you gotta be a high motor guy that's and, and determined and also understand the schemes and what we're trying to get done. So but the biggest part of it is is to want to. You gotta want to play it. That's how you can become great at it. it just, is you have to want to play special teams. You get out. of course special teams, you don't want to just have that's your goal in life just to stay a special team. But if that's your goal right, if that's your role right now, you gotta buy into it and take to that role. And that is how you become a special team. Of course, you gotta have some talent, but you gotta wanna do it and you gotta have a high motor that just don't stop and you gotta be tough as nails. I feel you. I, I mean, look at why Slater's been in the league six hundred and eighty two years. He played in the first Super Bowl, by the way. He played for Vince Lombardi. I mean, that's how long he's been in the league. Now he's with Belichick. He's been with Belichick all those years. All right, guys, it's been a good one. We'll see y'all again Thursday. We're going to go ahead and wrap this one up. Um, live again Thursday, 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Um, well, I don't know what we're talking about, TC, but we'll find a good one. Uh, it's been a good one, my friend. Good three episodes. I I'm really enjoying yeah. it. Yeah, I've enjoyed it too, man. You're doing a great job, Blake. Oh, not as good really as you, job. man. I, look, I ask you silly, dumb questions, and you make you put the polish on the poo, as they would say. Uh, <laughs> not speaking of our producer, Pooh Bear, but uh, uh, really absolutely fantastic. All right, guys, we'll see you all again soon. Y'all have a good night. Peace out, Girl Scouts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.